Hello, this is Janet Gallen welcoming you to Love Letters Live, and my guest today is going to be so interesting. We've just met right here a minute and a half ago, and I asked her about her life, and she made a little face that said, oh, so interesting, different, <laughs> different. So I said, would you care to talk about different? Now, I know that in every aspect of life, and this has to do with the love letter part, that no matter what your experience is, it has within it the seeds of a love letter to someone. And we could talk about that later. So I want to introduce Linda Nassif, my new friend. And would you please just talk about you? I mean, when you say your life was different, would you just talk about what that meant? Like what was standard in your growing up? Okay. The standard expected. I was born Jewish. Mm-hmm. I thought everybody was Jewish, and like I told you, except the cheerleaders, because they were the pretty ones. Oh, excuse me. I'm interrupting here, and I tend not <laughs> to want to do that, but this this is such a beautiful face right here, and she is so pretty, so I, of course, don't know why she's saying this. Thank you. Well, that's how we felt. Yes. Okay. And so the only ones that could be cheerleaders were the ones that weren't Jewish, but besides that, everybody else was Jewish. And I couldn't date anyone unless they were Jewish. And I didn't. Okay. But when I was 17, I went to Mexico. Mm-hmm. I first was thought to be a model, and I worked, they made a mistake, and I worked for um, Corona and many, many, many other companies. But I fell in love. Oh, wait a minute, but somebody knew you were pretty. Yeah, I guess. In Mexico, go ahead. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> right. What do they know? Okay. They think everybody with blonde hair and blue eyes is pretty. No. Um, so I met my, I met Prince Charming, mm-hmm. who was tall and dark and had curly hair and he fought for me and I was 18 and he was 19 and I fell in love. What does that mean? He fought for you. He fought. Um, <clears throat> to win your love, you mean? No, he physically fought because he saw that, um, a boy was bothering me. Oh. Not a man, a boy. That's why school. you say Prince Charming. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, um, so we fell in love, but it turned out that he is and was Lebanese. Uh-huh. And I didn't know that Lebanese and Jewish people didn't get along real well. Oh. So I was, like I said, I was 18, he was 19. It's a very long story. 750 love letters later. Written by each of you? Just by me, of course. Okay. (laughs) But he wrote 200. Oh my goodness. And it was the time that, I don't know if you remember, in Los Angeles, that you, you could send letters and they would deliver them to your house. Of course. Do you remember that? But they would just your letter. Well, it was a special. It was a special car, and it screeched. So I would always know when my love letter oh, arrived. Like special delivery. Yes. Uh huh. But yeah. just for me. <clears throat> yes. So I spent. Sorry, I spent um, three and a half years writing letters and waiting for his letters because I had to promise to finish school, which okay. was UCLA. Yes. And SC. So I married Antonio, and there were many restrictions that I thought were romantic. Mm-hmm. For example, I... Pardon? Let's put our heads down. Go ahead. Oh. Re- romantic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For example, I couldn't look at men. 
Oh. I couldn't talk to men. I couldn't begin a conversation. I couldn't have an opinion. What was your response to this? Um, I was you were so 18, in love, yeah, yeah. and I was so young, and I thought all that mattered was, was love. And um, other things were that at that time, if you remember, I couldn't wear capri pants. I couldn't, um, I couldn't these were drive. These were religious restrictions for him, right? This was the world that he lived in. Mm -hmm. Nobody had ever married someone who wasn't Lebanese. And I mm -hmm. took away the, the most handsome one of, of all of them. Yeah. So the Lebanese girls didn't like me. So also I wasn't allowed to have friends. So, but, so I got pregnant right away. And my friends and my extended loves were my daughters. Mm -hmm. And they still are. Good. Yes. So um, this lasted that it was okay for 20, no, for 20 years. Really? But when my children, oh. when my daughters became adolescents and young women, I couldn't permit that. And I learned about feminism. And my first book that I read was The Cinderella Complex. Mm -hmm. And everything changed. And I can't blame him. No. Right. Because I changed and the world changed, but he didn't. So after 25 years, I, I divorced. That's a very long marriage. I mean, you, you, I don't mean to put a, a shine or a, a judgment on anything, but I think that is really um, astoundingly, I don't want to say brave of you, but devoted of you. That's a good stay, word. To stay with it that long. I mean, you must have loved him. I didn't stay with him for him. I stayed with him for no, them. I understand that. Yes. <laughs> for yes, them. Yes. Okay. And there was a stigma at the time against divorce. So I, I waited. Mm -hmm. I waited until my three daughters were mm -hmm. out of high school mm -hmm. and there would no longer be the stigma. And I came back um, to San Diego. Oh, where had you been living? In Mexico. Oh, you were in oh, Mexico this time. sorry, I didn't mention it. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> sorry. That's all right. We can catch yeah. up now on that. Sure. I, I okay. lived in Mexico for so 25 years. So how did years. he react to your wanting a divorce? He couldn't believe it. He said that, how could anybody having what I had leave him, meaning monetary things? And I just answered, then you never knew me. So I, I left, but I didn't go through what... My parents had gone through a horrible divorce, oh. and I just left. And at that time... The, With your daughters? Yes. Okay. So the last five years of my marriage, my, I was a speaker. It's a long story to tell you how I became a speaker. Well, but I became the first female motivational speaker in Mexico. Really? And I did that thanks to my daughter, who, because, and if you would know her today and see her today, you, you just couldn't even believe this story. But she had learning disabilities and epilepsy. Mm -hmm. So the only school she could go to was Marist in, in Poughkeepsie, New York. And what she would do for me was she would send me tapes of all of her classes because she knew that I couldn't leave my house. Mm. So in one of her tapes, I learned about speakers. 
And I learned about a woman by the name of Rosita Perez. Mm -hmm. And um, I called her and she taught me how to be a speaker. And she sent me, because I spoke Spanish fluently, everyone that wanted to hire her in Spanish. So I became a rebel and I started to speak. Now you were speaking at various organizations or places in Mexico? Actually, before that, because my husband knew that I wanted to speak, he made a conference room in my house and he said, you can speak here to women. Okay. And that, was that something for him to go that far? No, that was easy. Okay. So every day from nine o'clock in the morning until 11, I spoke to women, but these women had husbands and they wanted their husbands and their husbands that owned companies to hear what I had to say. Now, what I had to say was not original. I got every tape, mm -hmm. I got every tape that you can imagine that my daughter would bring me oh. up from Jim Rohn. And at that time, so let's see, it was Jim Rohn, Jack Canfield, and they're still today, they're famous. All I did was translate there. And so I talked about, um, I talked about self-esteem, I talked about assertiveness training, I talked about customer service. Um, but when I started talking about assertiveness and being congruent, it hit me that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. What was your next step? I left. And so did you left, I mean, I'm sure that was complicated. Yes. I mean, I, packing for a trip is complicated. I'm sure packing, yes. for, you know, this was... Yes. But so you came back to the United States yes. with your daughters and essentially had to start over. And that was the problem. Ah. I thought because I had done so well speaking in Mexico and I had... Usually I was hired by multi-level companies mm -hmm. who had both clients in Spanish and in English. Mm -hmm. I thought I would do well in the United States. What happened? They didn't like me. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Good question. Okay. I think i too emotional. At that time, maybe today they would, but I didn't get hired. So what I would have to do was go to Tijuana mm -hmm, mm -hmm. every day, drive to Tijuana, I didn't know how to drive in Tijuana because I didn't drive in Mexico. So I went to Tijuana every day and that's how I began to speak there. But it didn't, it didn't work. It was too hard on me. Uh, I could imagine so. Now, are yeah. you still in touch with your ex-husband? Yes, we're very good friends. Oh, that's so nice. That He's the most so wonderful father today. He lives for his daughters. He doesn't care about himself. If I start to cry, you can just keep talking. Oh, yeah, oh my yeah. goodness. He, oh, that he, is so touching. When people can change. And I think the pain of my leaving and his not knowing and mine. He was as caught up in this as you. Yes. 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 Right. It oh. was neither of our faults. Right. Right. So today I, I, I know at 75 and soon to be 76 on leap year. I know today that if 
anything really horrible happened to me, he has my back. Oh, I have I have no like he doubt did when about he that. first fought for you when somebody was trying to bother you, which I thought was romantic, but was really jealousy. <laughs> well, but it still comes in handy. You know, if somebody really is going to take a stance for That's you when true. you need I never, it most. I never thought of yeah. that. I so, never so your daughters are grown. My daughters are grown and amazing. I bet. I bet. Um, and so the divorce procedure was whatever it is. I just left. I didn't divorce. Oh, so you're still not divorced. Well, <laughs> three years ago, I was going to get married. And the strange thing was, this man's name was Anton Hasso. And my ex-husband's name is Antonio. Oh, no. Sorry. It was, it's Anton Hasso Nassif. Oh, yes. And my ex-husband's name is Antonio Nassif. That is so odd. I know. <laughs> Very odd. Yeah. And he is half Iraqi. So when I was going to marry him, he didn't want to be a big, bigamist. Mm -hmm. So he arranged it so I uh, would get a divorce okay. after over 25 years. So did you get a divorce? Did you marry the second Messi? I did not marry him. That's another long story. Yes. Okay. Well, maybe you'll come <laughs> back and tell that story. But I want to get to... Yes. I want to get to... I know that you you are part time at the Holocaust Museum. I am. You said you were born Jewish. Yes. I want to know, like, how did that how did that work out? Of course, Mexico has a huge Jewish community, but I don't know if you were allowed to take part in that. No. Okay. So, how did you end up working at the Holocaust Museum or being drawn to that? You know, it's this, and this will make me cry. It's the strangest thing that has ever happened to me in my life. I never cared about Judaism. I didn't know much about it. In fact, I was baptized to be able to to marry Antonio. Um, more agnostic than anything else, thinking religions do so much harm, so I didn't care. Mm -hmm. And then one day, five years ago, I read on the internet uh -huh. that they were training for docents for the Los Angeles Museum of the Holocaust. And you knew what that meant? Oh, I, I knew what okay. I, I knew what the Holocaust was. Yeah. I had not you were that known the, the, the museum. Okay. So um, it was about six months, the training, and I realized I knew, I thought I knew, I thought I knew because I knew six million people died. In fact, I had been told by a Kabbalah teacher that there are things I don't believe, but that I had been in the Holocaust. But anyhow, getting back to that, learning about it, learning that there were 40,000 concentration camps, learning, learning about, about, learning about Poland and about every, every single country in, in Europe. And the more that I learned, the more, I, I, I could barely get through every class. Mm -hmm. And my daughters chastised me. They said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? You've never been religious. You've never cared. And now we see you and you suffer every day. Of course, suffering and caring is not the same thing as being religious in terms of a practicing religion. True, true. I suffered for these people as I do. I can't say the same for all genocides. But in our classes, we learned about other genocides. Mm -hmm. And so today, at, at this moment, this is my, my raison d'etre. 
Okay. It's why I'm alive. Oh. It's what I can use my talents, my speaking talents, my Spanish to teach children. The Los Angeles Museum of the Holocaust is a teaching museum and it's the Museum of Survivors. So I have the blessing and the honor of meeting a survivor every time after I give a tour. That's the blessing and that's the honor. The sadness is, Janet, of the hundreds and hundreds of children, students that come to our museum, I would say 90% do not, forget they don't know about the Holocaust. Forget they have never seen a Jewish person or know anything about Judaism. They don't know about World War I oh, or World War II. Really? So in an hour well, and a half... You know, look how long ago that was and we don't focus... Yeah. yeah. That, is, that is shocking, I guess. And I, I was one of them in a way. So I'm not shocked, I'm saddened, and I, if I could go, if somebody could hear this, and they want to hire, not hire me, just bring me to their school, I, I would go anywhere, anytime, and because of what's happening today with anti-Semitism. Okay, so I knew that when we spoke on the phone, yes. you said you would like to talk about the Holocaust, and I guess connected to this, so you go ahead. The, the letters. On the road you... Well, what I did... No, the road you're on about the Holocaust and today's anti-Semitism. Yes. that you'd like to teach in schools. Yes. Good for you. Go ahead. Yes. The problem is, and we'll talk about letters, is that I have nobody to talk to this about. What do you mean? Well, my daughters, my daughters are, have a very different way. My daughters that live in Mexico, two, I'm sorry, that live in Los Angeles. One daughter stayed in Mexico mm -hmm. and she has the oldest of my grandchildren, which mm -hmm. are 18 and 16. My little grandchildren that live in Los Angeles, their mother's, their belief system is that they should just be happy. Okay. So they go to schools, one is Waldorf, where they don't say anything negative. I mean, one day I called somebody fat, and oh my gosh, <laughs> we don't talk like that. They, they, everything is beautiful and kind and caring, and the last thing they want them to know is about the Holocaust. Okay, so I, I would <clears throat> agree with mm -hmm. that. My mother used to say to me, you know, most people are wonderful. Most people are wonderful, but there are a few people who are not. Most people are wonderful. Most people should be happy. But for those who are not or have not been or have lived through something like this, Holocaust, and our descendants, for, the, for whatever the percentage is, you do have people to talk about and to talk to. And we'll find you, we'll find you places because I know there are organizations that send speakers to school to talk about this. But they usually send the survivors, but I would be happy to. Oh, by the to. way, there are as, t as days go on, darling, there are going to be fewer and fewer survivors when you get what, old and die. That's what I tell Somebody them. Somebody has to carry the banner. That's what I tell and them. And that's why you're here. Is that what you're saying? Yes. This is your raison d'etre. We have, we have in, in our museum, we have the Tree of Testimony, thanks to Steven Spielberg. And so in the Tree of Testimony, we see there are 52,000 survivors who speak 51 different languages. Now, when you say survivors, you're They're saying they're still alive. Uh-huh. So they're 
old. Or, yes. Well, you know, they don't have to be that much oh, older yeah. than we are. Well, 80s. Yeah. At mm-hmm. least at least a decade older. Okay. At, at least yes, a decade okay. older. No, and sometimes they ask me if I'm a survivor, and I'll be, ah! <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, that's I'm okay. not old enough to be a survivor. But but, um, but once you know about this and get through it, I mean, I... This you, is you, what I tell them. I, I, after, after I tell them, and maybe another time we'll talk about, after I tell them about Holocaust denial and Holocaust revisionists and now Holocaust envy, which is something new... Let's talk about that in a minute. Okay. okay. When I tell them about that, and then I show them, and they see the, the survivors and, and their age, I tell them who is going to speak for them. Who? And that's when I tell them, you. Now, I don't know if I reach one or if I reach all of them. I know I have to reach some of them, so they will be, they will be the voices. Right. So this is kind of an interesting thing that you're touching on that I never thought about, and I don't know if you did in this way, but somebody has to train the next voices. Yes, and we do. Oh, is that in okay? Fact, in fact, tomorrow at the <laughs> museum, I'm going to be, each of us get a room, and I was given room six to train young people who are going to man it on okay. the weekend. And my room is called is the room of the righteous among nation. Did you know there were twenty seven thousand three hundred and sixty five people that were brave enough to risk their lives, their families, their well being, everything that were not Jewish, that were Gentile. Mm-hmm. To save the Jews. Okay, so I do know that there were many. I did not know it was that number. Yes. So that's what tomorrow... So the, you're going to train the next yes. righteous to keep caring. Yes. Oh, how wonderful. How perfect. Yes. Okay, yes. what is Holocaust envy? I mean, I could guess, but you say. Holocaust envy is almost like something that we're... Uh, I won't bring this up. It's politics. Okay. Yeah, I know. But Holocaust envy is more like... We're sick and tired of hearing about your Holocaust. Oh, really? You feel so sorry for yourself? What about my people? What about my people that were slaves? What about my people that were raped? It's kind of what a good question. It's a fair question, It's I a think. fair question, yeah. but there's a fair answer. What is it? It's that, first of all, I could tell you the difference between the Holocaust and genocide, if... Okay. If you would like to know. Well, how about another time? Let's another do another time. one. Of the, but, but the reason is, please do. Yes. Please do tell the world. Yes. Armenians, please let them know what the Turks did because they're denying it. Yemen, people have to know. Even in, in Guatemala, how So you're how saying how instead, of being, instead of being envious and complaining about your stance, they should take yes. one themselves. Absolutely. People, people have to know. Right. And we have the most beautiful survivors. What impresses me so much is I don't understand how the message that they give the children, or the students, not really children, is always about love. Is always about, you have to remember this, but only remember it so that, because you have to know there's evil in the world. But you can't be, and you can't bully your your friends, and you have to be kind, and this is what will save the world. But then, when you talk that I was never, I was never Jewish, I'm like, these people, 
and I'm a part of these people. Right. And by the way, it is by the grace of God that you weren't living in Poland at that moment. And oh, I am the, Polish. But yes. you weren't living there. No, 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 you know, of course. That you weren't put it. It's every step we take. You know, it's such a, and this is for all of us. This is for every group. It's a very thin little walk that we take that we are not by some quirk of history. Yes. On the on the wrong piece of land at the wrong time. Exactly. But therefore. So, well, therefore, <laughs> so we shouldn't get too cocky mm-hmm. about our say. We should be happy and we should be loving everything but we that we But we cannot have. be too cocky now in the United States. Right. Yes. I, I, I won't. I don't think we should talk about politics. But Okay. Maybe another time when okay. things have calmed down in the world, we can talk about politics. I hope so. Me too. So what I brought, because I know it's about letters. So as soon as, and you said we just met, letters. I feel like we're so related though, but I'll tell you more about that (laughs) later. Okay, go ahead. I've been thinking about what have love letters been to my life. And I have so many stories. Well, tell a couple. About letters. I went through depression. I mean, excuse me, you already told about the letters that you went through. Yes. So you're... Yes. Okay, go ahead. So, But also when, when I've gone through clinical, well, depressions, mm-hmm. one of the things that has helped me through them is I've saved letters from students. One of the things that I was allowed to do when I lived in Mexico was I could teach at Catholic schools, mm-hmm. at girls' schools. Mm-hmm. So the nuns would pick me up, and they would take me to the Miguel Angel or the Motolinia, and I would teach at those schools, and I would teach art and singing and anything until they finally fired me because I wore a mini skirt when I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, my students wrote me so many letters, and my daughters wrote me so many letters that when I thought I was worthless and I thought I, I, I had no self-esteem, I would go into my box of letters, and they saved me. Okay, so this is this is you're, you're making such an important point, and one that's just so dear to me, is that first of all, people keep letters. Yes, they do. They do. You'll find, you know, well, that's a, that's a whole other topic, also. But often, when somebody has passed away, and <coughs> children go through the attic, they go through the desk, they go through the bedside table, they find all the letters. And I will tell you that those I wrote my mother a love letter. A couple of years before she died at 96. And every time I went down to L.A. to visit her, she would say to me, Oh, I just read that letter you sent me. And you would think, well, is she going, Dottie? Did she forget that she's already... No, she read it and reread it because it, it, it made her, and I think just exactly what you are saying, it made her be aware of her best self. And it's not the same. And that's what they're for. To read it. On the computer, in an email. Oh, handwriting is king. And I actually, maybe later... Go ahead. No, now. Whatever I, you want. Um, getting back to my heart, to my the Holocaust Museum, mm-hmm. um, they wrote... I'm going to cry. Sorry. It's okay. Children and mothers and fathers and husbands and wives, before they were exterminated, mm-hmm. wrote letters. Mm-hmm. Most of them disappeared. Number one, because when the Nazis knew that they were going to be found out, they burned many, um, mm-hmm. many of the concentration and killing camps. And they, were all, they didn't have pens, so they, they would hide them um, in, in little corners in different places. That's where we, we have found beautiful art. But um, 
tomorrow in the um, where I'm going to be teaching the young people in in the sixth <laughs> um, in the sixth room, there are some letters they found, mm-hmm. and the handwriting I I couldn't understand, but they've translated them. And this is, I don't know if it's too long. Tell me, tell me when you want me no, to stop. No, you go right ahead. We don't have to stop. Because, and, 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 and I know your program is usually very happy. No, it's not. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it deals with, you know, we talk about a lot of things that are not very happy and are very difficult. The happiness is what we take from it. Okay. You know, I mean, you're dealing with a grotesque occurrence in history grotesque more more than people more than i ever imagined that's right and yet you're smiling as you're going to read me a letter and i have and i have three more but we'll we'll save them okay we'll do one for now we'll do the others okay go ahead you my only one dearest in isolation are we waiting for darkness we considered the possibility of hiding and decided not to do it since we left since we felt it would be hopeless. The famous trucks are already here. And we are waiting for it to begin. I am completely calm. You, my only and dearest one, do not blame yourself for what happened. It was our destiny. We did what we could. Stay healthy and remember and remember my words that time will heal, if not completely, then partially. Take care of the little golden boy and don't spoil him too much with your love. Both of you stay healthy, my dear ones. I will be thinking of you. Have a fabulous life. We must board the trucks into eternity, Vilma. Yes, this is just... But this is not... It's hard to say anything after that. It's not an exception. I understand that. And this is what I don't get. These, These people, these Jewish people, and I'm a part of them, and all my whole life denied I was a part of them. And my daughters call me a born-again Jew. <laughs> but how did they find this? They're not angry. They're not, yes. they're not angry. They're not vengeful. They, they, look what we're, the world that we're living in now. The person that is leading us and all the revenge and the hate. They weren't. You know, there, there is something about, there is, yes. I, I, don't, I don't know how that, I don't know how that works. I mean, I... I know how easily it, it, how easy it is to get angry at something. Oh my gosh! Right, and <laughs> I and I also know how easy it is to decide to bathe in the positive, and what that changes. Well, look, you've got this book here. I mean, talk about bathing in the positive, and we're going to do this another time. But okay, you've got you've got. I mean, we're talking about all this, and I'm saying bathing in the positive is so important. Apparently, I'm talking to the queen of that too. Because you've got this book, Jump and the Joy Will Follow. But let me be really honest with you. Sure. I wrote that when I was 65. Yes, and? I'm not the same person. Oh, okay. But you're saying you wrote this before you were so aware of all this. Yes. It doesn't matter. It's still your soul talking. Right? Um, Well, tell me how you weren't the same person. I I didn't. when When you don't know, you don't know. And when you know, you know. And now that I know, I don't, 
sometimes I'm more joyful because I appreciate the sun more and I appreciate being alive more. Are we going to hear that? <laughs> and and sometimes, sometimes I'm terribly sad because I know, because I know. But you have a capacity for joy. Yes. And isn't that isn't that when you get right down to it? If we can lean on that okay. in life. And every letter you write, by the way, let's just get to you for a minute. I don't know whether yes. you've written letters recently. Love yes. Letters. Okay. So I, I was, you know, I don't, I don't want to get um, directive about who should get one, but you know, there's so many people in your life right now, like the Holocaust Museum itself. Yes. And to every survivor. Uh, uh, but, but I'm just saying, even the directors of the Holocaust. That's true. Any, any letter that you write in your handwriting and you send off, it is part of your history. I love that. And you are, look at you, listen to you. I'm I listening to you. That. You are an important Thank part you. of history and about carrying it on honestly. So anything you decide to write will go into some archive. Thank and you. And someday somebody will, fi will find yours. Not to mention that your daughters and your grandchildren will find it. And they'll know, once again, another aspect of you. One day. Yes. Not, not now. I understand what, not now. And what, what I brought, and I'll tell you why, this is the positive part. Mm -hmm. One of my daughters, Vivian, and if you can stay later, I'll show you some, some pictures. She's part of something that, that's called the Compassionate Project. Mm -hmm. And they go to jails. Mm -hmm. And, now listen to this, everyone that is in there goes, not, not also in the jail, my daughter goes back to her children's school and asks the kids to write, quote, unquote, love letters to the prisoners for the first time Wonderful. I'm in their her. lives. They have received a letter that they have value. And since most of them are put in the shoe, mm -hmm. which means an isolation, yeah. But they're given paper and paints, pe paper and pencil. Mm -hmm. Many of them have the most beautiful calligraphy you have ever seen. I believe that. So they answer the kids. That's wonderful. So look what love letters have done for the children and for them. Thank you. So I, what they do for everybody. What I want to say is just tangential to that. People think they can send an email, which they can, but where's the heartbeat, you know? It's not, when you send something that you've written by hand, the person receiving it is touching something that has felt the touch of your hand. Ah, yes. You know, it is like, it's yes. like a caress. It really is. Oh, I love that. And, yes. and technology changes every, I mean, more, more often than not now, so often. And you also don't know what to believe. Well, oh, that's another issue that's arisen recently. That's <laughs> for sure. But, but the, the floppy disks that we used to think we could empty mm -hmm. our hearts out onto, well, you can flush those down the toilet. They're not right. readable anymore. Nothing. I have letters, and you're talking about this this from the concentration camp. This is a letter that's, what, 75 years old. Mm -hmm. I have letters that are 100 years old, and the handwriting is still, you can read it like it was written yesterday. Wow. What I want to say is... And now they're not teaching it. I know. It's, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me cry. Okay. So, but but these um, are... are the, uh, Writing letters on good paper that won't, we hope, you know, corrode. Writing letters, letters, is the most reliable storage of history. unit for your feelings. And for history. Yes. yes. 
And that's and that's the real history when we find love letters, when we find what you have here in your hand. So speaking yes. of that same daughter that goes to the jails at five o'clock in the morning. Yes. Um, that that goes there. It's her opinion, and I don't agree one hundred percent, but she is positive that if every person on earth was brought up with love and caring that it would solve all the problems. It's worth, I, a, it's worth a shot. <laughs> I don't think things are that simplistic, right, but right, she does. Right. But the reason I brought some of the books that I have been, I have been saving for 40 years mm-hmm. is to show the kids at the Holocaust Museum mm-hmm. the contrast because we have the books that in 1933, the German children were brought up with. Ah. And I could tell you a lot of those stories. Well, we're which... going to do, do this again, okay. you and me. Yes. But those, those books show the Germans and, you know, the word Aryan they invented. Mm. The, the Aryans to be tall and blonde holding a shovel. And they have a shovel because they can dig and they love the land and they work. Mm -hmm. And then they tell about the Jews who are fat and pudgy and have big noses and carry attache cases with maybe clothes or or money Mm -hmm. to show the difference. So they grew up with that. Mm -hmm. So it just happens as i guess some say nothing is a coincidence i'm not sure but as it happens i have all of these books that you can see let's talk about race my princess boy i have a thought about these books again not to yes. be too bossy or pushy open but, any but, page no no they're serving a purpose for you wouldn't it be lovely if someday, someday, I know generation. what you're going to say. I, oh, I thought because I want to. I don't Tell know what, what to do. Somehow, I would like to do what you're doing. Well, and first read of those all, books. I think you should. I think if it were me, yes. Tell I would, me. I would write a little note in each book, saying, oh. "Dear reader, this is my love letter to you. This, and I just want you to know what this book meant to me. And write a little something about yourself." In this open oh cover, let somebody okay. dig. Let some anthropologist dig that up okay. in a hundred years. Okay, that's a great idea. And that my princess leave a trail always. My yeah. princess boy. Then there's and I have many, many more. What's the difference? Being different is amazing. And like you and I saw, and what my daughters grew up on, and you said we could sing. We it could together. sing about being a snail, if you like. Yes, <laughs> free to be me. Yes, where yes. mommies are people, yes. people with yes. children. Yes. And then and William and the be, doll, and William and the doll. Oh, okay, this is another, William wants a doll. I know this is a whole other episode. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but let me tell, just tell you, yes, this, this all goes back. I had an aunt that gave me this book, and remember, I wasn't allowed to leave my house. I wasn't allowed to have friends. I wasn't allowed to exercise. Mm-hmm. I wasn't mm-hmm. allowed to anything. This book saved me, and this book saved my daughters. Oh, sure. Because I read it and sang it to them. My ex-husband, who I told you is my friend, Mm -hmm. 
felt I was a traitor mm-hmm. by doing this. Sure. That was quite a big step for when this book and record came out. And they still haven't made anything as good. I agree. Nothing. I agree. I agree. Let's write a new one. Let's write a new Free yes. to Be Me. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> would wonderful. You? Oh. I would love to. Maybe. We can talk about it. But <laughs> okay. I think, but I think you could do it on your own. But let's talk about it later. But I want to thank you for doing this with me. And I really did not, of course, know what to expect. I never do. It's part of the joy. Yes. And um, what you have brought about love letters in so many different directions and all that they can do, I want to thank you for this. So can we do another one of these another time and, and on, on a different topic? Of course. Of yours, because I can see that you have so many and we've touched on some other things that you don't want to talk about now. Political things, I understand that. Um, so I just thank you for and doing thank this. You. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your letters kiss. of love and your love. Well, thank and what you. you're doing, it looks like, odd as you can say, that all that you have gone through somehow dumped you off of the ramp exactly where you're meant to be. Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. We'll talk later. This is Janet Allen for now saying goodbye, and I'll talk to you later. Bye.